But the number of deaths just this past year was 1,725. That is a threefold increase in the number of deaths and the fentanyl related deaths is a major part of that. Hello everyone and welcome into the latest edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. I'm Justin Hall. Well, we've reached episode 21 of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast and we at Palmetto Family Council want to thank each of you for listening each and every week. Please continue to share this with your friends and family. Leave us that five-star rating and review as that's going to help this podcast be seen by more and more people as we look to shape the Palmetto State from a biblical worldview. On this edition of our Friday podcast, we are discussing the crisis that is gripping our state and the nation, and it is worsening by the year. Here is the headline from the Washington Post. 100,000 Americans died of drug overdoses in 12 months during the pandemic. The U.S. drug epidemic reached another terrible milestone Wednesday when the government announced that more than 100,000 people had died of overdoses between April of 2020 and April of 2021. It is the first time that the drug-related deaths have reached six figures in any 12-month period. The people who died, 275 each day, this is from the Washington Post, would fill the stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the Crimson Tide play, and together they equal the entire population of Roanoke, Virginia. The new data shows there are now more overdose deaths from the illegal synthetic opioid fentanyl than there were overdose deaths from all drugs in 2016. That is an amazingly sobering statistic. When you start looking at historically the numbers that come in from South Carolina. So we're going to rewind the clock a little bit. And these numbers come to us from DHEC. When you take a look at the number of drug overdose deaths by intent, as go all the way back to 2011. So 10 years ago, 85 people committed suicide by overdosing. The total number of deaths by drug overdose was 587. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Wow. That number today, the number of deaths by suicide have actually decreased into the 60s from the 80s. But the number of deaths just this past year was 1,725. That is a threefold increase in the number of deaths. And the fentanyl-related deaths is a major part of that. And so we have to start asking ourselves the question, what's really driving this? We've got, a, we've got an opioid problem going on in South Carolina. This is a 52% increase uh, in South Carolina in terms of these deaths, which is higher than the national average of almost 30%. Now that's alarming, 30% increase across the nation but 52% across South Carolina. This from the state newspaper, uh, Jennifer Weller-White, who is the treatment director at the South Carolina Rehab Center, Laredac, said that, quote, the decrease in connection people have had with one another during the coronavirus pandemic contributed to the rise in overdoses. Now, imagine that. We take away people's ability to connect with one another. All of a sudden, we're left at home. You're not going to work. You're not going to church. You're not doing any of these things. You're to yourself. You're left to your own vices. And that has caused irreparable harm across the country and across the Palmetto State. There's no doubt that we face a crisis, not only nationwide, but right here in the Palmetto State. I think another thing worth noting is that I've worked with police for some time, not only as a chaplain, but in ride-alongs and and counseling families through overdose issues. I've been in the home of someone who had just died as a result of an accidental overdose. What we have to understand is that so many of the drugs that are flooding the streets in 
America and in South Carolina have been have really been diluted and what a lot of people think they're taking they're not and fentanyl uh, is the most deadly poison uh, in I'm speaking simply uh, on opinion here. It's one of the greatest deadly poisons facing our country right now during this drug crisis. And what we have to understand is when we are abusing these sorts of things, when we're not acting in self-discipline, we're not acting in our common sense, when we're abusing these things, we're opening ourselves up to a, a Pandora's box of potential deadly problems. With all of these numbers, I want to get all these numbers out because they are striking. South Carolina had that 52% increase. That ranks us fourth among the states in our country for the highest increase in fatal overdoses in 2020. The only states to have more dramatic spikes are Vermont at 57.6, West Virginia at 55.6, and Kentucky at 53.7%. Opioids, including fentanyl and heroin, accounted for nearly 81% of South Carolina's overdose deaths. And when it comes to fentanyl, the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration noted a rise in fentanyl seizures, which she said have reached 12,000 pounds. They have seized 12,000 pounds of fentanyl just in 2021. Well, and you have to keep in mind how much fentanyl it actually takes to, to kill someone. That's enough to give every American, every American, a lethal dose of fentanyl. What we have to understand is just what you said, Dave. It's a very small dosage that will kill a person with fentanyl. And what they're doing is in many of these pills that are coming across the border in the border crisis that we're facing right now, not only through across the southern border, but through our ports and the northern border as well, these so called cocaine type things aren't cocaine at all they're not opioids at all they're not what we think they are in many cases it's baby powder and other fillers laced with just a tiny bit of fentanyl which will give people the high that they crave and that they're addicted to but ultimately will kill them because many of these things are created in someone's home they're they're created in in a place that's unsafe that you're and people are putting this stuff in their bodies. It's unreal. So this is where you have to begin to recognize where the issues are taking place. If you take a look at a map of South Carolina, these are the counties that are the highest level of opioid-involved overdose deaths. Greenville County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, Charleston County, and Horry County. As a matter of fact, Horry County is considered to be one of the biggest hotspots right now. And you have to keep in mind, one of the reasons for that is you have so much traffic of people coming in and out, in and out because of vacation. I mean, that is, they are a drug capital for that. And understanding that that's the case, we really have to start looking at what's driving this. This is the place where we have to take it to a spiritual discussion yes. as much as anything else because we have a substance abuse disorder pandemic yeah. going on. Keep in mind, 1,725 people died in that time period, all, April to April 2020 to 2021. Mm. Yes, That is almost double the number of people who died on South Carolina roads wow. last year. We had just over 1,000 people die on South Carolina roads last year. We had 1,725 die of opioid overdose last year. That is a massively huge statistic that we have to look at and go, what do we do about this? Because the substance abuse disorder is there. 
But what's going on underneath that is a spiritual disorder that is also happening that really has to begin to be addressed. There are certain things that we choose to fill our lives with. There are certain things that give us give us fulfillment. And eventually, you got to go further and further to get the fulfillment. At, at the end of the day, Dave, I believe that's what you're what you're referencing. And and it comes to this. This is over top. This is kind of that that overhanging issue. Underneath it, we go into the issues that are happening in the state. We mentioned uh, Nancy Mace has put forward, Congresswoman from the 1st Congressional District down in the Charleston area, put forward a reform act, the state's reform act, which would decriminalize at the federal level and leave it up to individual states to make their decisions on how they want to go forward. She supports medical uh, marijuana being passed in South Carolina. She has for some time. I think when you begin to look at that, there's a portion of this that is very difficult from a conservative standpoint because it's actually taking a conservative viewpoint on federalism. Federalism is not, hey, listen, we need to have a big federal government. Federalism actually says, we're going to put these things into the states and let the states do what the states Mm -hmm. want to do. There's a reason there's a political boundary between South Carolina and North Carolina. Our laws are different. And they're that way because we have that right. Again, 10th Amendment. If it's not enumerated in the Constitution, it goes over to the states or to the people. And in that case, that part of this makes sense from a conservative Republican approach standpoint that Nancy Mace is taking. But marijuana is the number one gateway drug. But if we are in the midst of the largest epidemic of opioid deaths in America, the question is this. Do you really want to open the door to make it easier for people to walk through on the on the bridge that is marijuana that it's going to lead to other opioids? Now, here, we'll have people who turn around and say, well, listen, nobody has died from an overdose of marijuana. That's absolutely true. Marijuana does not necessarily lead to death, but marijuana does have and is an open door pathway that people first walk through, but they come very quickly to the point of that's just not enough. And the opioids that that are out there today are so addictive in nature that it is capturing people very quickly. And then all of a sudden, you're ending up with people who are with this synthetic fentanyl-laced mm-hmm. drugs that they're trying to take for a high, and that high ends up killing them in the end. Dave, there's been a little bit of pushback uh, on that idea of marijuana being the gateway drug. We've heard that for decades, so this isn't a new thing. And there is some research from several different places, and we're gonna—I think we're gonna be posting some of that research on the the. Uh, resource page for this podcast, I think it's worth noting exactly what you just said. You know, when is enough enough? If you have an addiction or if you are prone to addiction, then enough will never be enough and you'll always want more. So if it's two ounces of medical marijuana that you're given uh, by a government agency, then you're going to go through that in a pretty quick period of time, especially as the effects and the enhancements to your blood and your mind and what that does to you over time as those 
continually lessen your senses, you're going to need more. Naturally, you're just going to need more because as you said, Justin, just a moment ago, the heart always wants more. Why? Because it's desperately wicked. The Bible tells us this. It's very clear. So is I want more of this, well, then at some point, it's just not going to be good enough. It, I'm going to need something else. And, and Justin, you and I were talking about this earlier uh, before we even started this podcast about some of the other addiction sins that we have. Uh, we could talk about sexual sins and some of those addiction forming sins. And, and we're not going to go in that vein too far today, but it's worth noting that what we have here is a graduation effect. It, this is the gateway that we're talking about. When marijuana no longer does the job that it once did for me, I'm going to have to turn elsewhere. First, I'm going to turn to the street because I can't get more marijuana from a licensed pharmacist. I, I I can't go to a pharmacist and say, I need I need more, or a doctor who will write a script and say, okay, uh, Mitch, you need more marijuana. I, I've never heard that before. Because, because in South Carolina, doctors they cannot can't do it. prescribe it. It is against the law because it is not regulated by the Federal Drug Administration. So it cannot be prescribed by a doctor. It cannot be dispensed by a pharmacist. One of the things that's going on in the bill in South Carolina right now that is called the Compassionate Care Act is really a bit of a misnomer because medical marijuana cannot be medicine in South Carolina because it is not regulated by the FDA, prescribed by a doctor, or distributed by a pharmacist. It is not regulated in that way. The marijuana of today is 20 times stronger than the marijuana of the 70s and 80s. The THC counts are up through the roof on that. Mm -hmm. And that's where most people do not understand. And we want to educate you on this issue that marijuana is that step towards opening up, as you said a moment ago, the graduated growth in what you're going to be pursuing. I mean, you've got teens today who are going to farm parties, P-H-A-R-M, where they're basically taking grandma's pills, pouring them into a bowl. Picking the pretty ones. Picking the pretty ones, and there you go. And what ends up happening is that addictive nature. One is not enough, but That's a thousand's too much. That's it. So what am I going to do? I can't get more marijuana from the doctor because they don't do that. I can't get it from the pharmacist because they don't do that. So I'm going to turn to the street. And it's not like you can go to a reputable street pharmacist today. I mean, it's not like there's a guy on the street corner, you know, that opens up his jacket like we've all seen in the movies and he's got the watches and, he, you know, he, that, that's not how this works. OK, even that's a little shady. Uh, it kind of gives me the creeps just thinking about it. So what we really need to be focusing in on here is that when I go to the street pharmacist, and, and, and I'm not speaking out of experience, but this is just common sense. This is just the thing that you've got to understand when I go to the guy on the street in in the back alleyway or in the in as I used to tell some of the parents when I was a pastor of students in the back parking lot of the high school when I go there and I get the weed the marijuana he's going to have pills he's going to have pills that's just the way it works some kid gave him their their pills or their mom's pills and now I'm going to have that option. So even if it can't, well, there's no chemical proof or there's no science to show. And we could talk about neuroplasticity and children under the age of 18. Actually, under the, under the age of 25 as the brain continually develops. But what we need to understand 
is no matter the case of neuroplasticity and the science, it's just common sense that the deeper I go into a different realm of society, namely the drug culture, the more opportunities I'm going to have to get different experiences based on the drugs that are available. And this is not a good thing. So let's go back to what research actually shows us. The National Institute of Health has a study that's out there, and we'll make sure that this link is in our uh, available for you on the podcast page. It is talking about the title of the article is Cannabis as a Gateway Drug for Opiate Use Disorder. Mm -hmm. It talks about the fact that long-derided drug policy reformers saying the gateway hypothesis says that the drugs such as cannabis could lower the threshold for addiction to other substances such as opioids. Behaviorally and developmentally, it is clear that many of the shared root causes that increase an individual's likelihood of using cannabis also increase the same individual's likelihood of opioid use. Now, here's where they break the numbers down. One study published by the American Academy of Pediatrics shows this finding, that adolescents who use cannabis, so they use marijuana, are 104 times more likely to use cocaine than adolescents who never use cannabis. It naturally opens you up for experimenting in other areas. So where do we go from here? These are all the numbers. These are all the stats. This is something that is causing our country and certainly our state to kind of come to grips with what's happened over the last 20 plus months. Because remember, this is the numbers from that Washington Post piece were from April of 2020 to April of 2021, the length of the pandemic. So the natural inclination of folks right now is to say, well, now that we're done with quarantining and now that we're kind of back to normal, we should see these numbers reduce. We should see these numbers drop. My fear, and I would posit that they won't. No. I would posit that they're going to, at at minimum, stay the same, and more than likely they will increase unless we do something about it. It, Justin, it's not like a person who's been in quarantine for a year and has taken up opioids to solve their problems magically puts the pills down or the pot down or whatever the drug is down. Oh, now that I can talk to people, now that I can go eat Mexican food at the restaurant, I'm going to put the pill... It doesn't work like that. Why? Because they're addictive and it becomes a part of your life. So let's talk about the fact that it, in the last year, it was a 52% increase in opioid deaths in South Carolina. Let's rewind here real quick and let's go back to that 2011 number when 587 people died of opioid deaths. The number the previous year to 2019 was 1,131. So in that eight-year period, the number had doubled. We doubled again in a year. We doubled from 2011 to 2018, 2019. In the next year, we doubled again. Could the COVID pandemic shutdowns and quarantines have an impact on that? Sure. Sure. But I very seriously doubt deductive reasoning will turn around and tell you, I don't think you're going to see those numbers dramatically drop all of a sudden. No. Because it is becoming more and more relevant in the lives of people who do not know how to deal with addictions. Now, let's get to the underlying issue. There we go. When you talk about the opioid epidemic, 
you have to recognize that there are underlying issues that are going on there. Very spiritual in nature. Because so often addictions are driven by those things that this gospel addresses. But, you know, you don't really want to have the Sunday school, Jesus is the answer, solution to this problem. Jesus is the answer to the problem. But addiction is a very, very damning situation for so many people. I sat with a group of guys the other day. One guy said, listen, yeah, I was, I was working with a guy on, on a site the other day, and uh, he had picked up what's called two Roxies. Roxies mm-hmm. are some, some form of, of opioid that he had picked up off the street. The guy told him, warned him, don't take two, man, just take one. Three weeks later, he finds out that the guy died the next day mm. because he took the pills. Synthetically laced, fentanyl-laced drugs picked up off the streets, bought off the streets, are killing people every single day in South Carolina. You've got four people a day at a minimum who are losing their lives. On top of that, you've got Narcan, which is a a Mm -hmm. drug that can be given to counter the effects of a drug overdose. So Narcan is given oftentimes for someone who has had an overdose to bring them back to life. But the problem that you've got with that is that may bring them back to life, but it doesn't deal with the real life issue that is underneath it because every addiction has root causes that go underneath it. And that's where we've got to as a church, as the big C church, as believers in South Carolina, come alongside and be able to offer hope and opportunity for people to address the underlying issues that addiction are driving. Dave, we've talked about this a lot. And you know, one of the things that you've got kids, I've got kids. One of the things that I've noticed is I've raised uh, our three boys, my wife and I've raised our three boys, is that they always want more. They always want more. When are they satisfied? Let me ask those listening right now. If you're listening right now, when are we satisfied? Rarely, if ever. What the issue many people who struggle with addiction have is they want more, and then they want more, and then they want more. And that's the pattern, the downward spiral of addiction, because we think we're getting more, and actually what we're settling for is less less of what we really, truly need. Now, we can talk about the Sunday school answers and that sort of thing. When will the heart be satisfied? When it has enough. What is enough? The only thing that will ever be satisfying for the soul, the heart. By the way, someone created us. He, God, created us in his image. He knows us intimately in every way, shape, and form. He knows every single detail, not only the data, he knows the intricacies of our heart. The only way we'll ever understand that we don't need more because he is enough is when we have an intimate relationship with him. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there freedom. is liberty. The worst pair of handcuffs that a person will ever wear are the handcuffs of addiction. You are limited. It is a ball and chain around the ankle, and you drag it with you everywhere you go. And the greatest liberty that a person will ever experience is when the one who loves your soul comes alongside, walks with Emmanuel. We're about ready to celebrate Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He walks alongside of us everywhere we go. We all know someone that's been 
affected by this crisis. This epidemic affects everyone. It, there's someone in your family that's been affected by it. There's someone in your church that's been affected by it. And we want you to get involved. Dave, tell our listeners how they can get involved. If you want to be involved in what's going on to address the opioid crisis that is going on, not only in America, but right in your own community, we want you to text the word crisis to 76076. Crisis, C R I S I S to 76076, or you can email us at info at palmettofamily.org. In the subject line, put crisis. Make sure that we have your name, a phone number, an email address where we can reach you because we want to get you connected with other folks within our state so that we can address the issue collectively, but also to connect you with resources in your local community and ministry opportunities that you can bring to bear in your own church in your own community, in your own neighborhood. Connect with us today by texting CRISIS to 76076 and become part of the Opioid Addiction Crisis Network that we're going to develop here with Palmetto Family. There are other ways to connect with Palmetto Family as well. You can download the Palmetto Family Council app. On the app, you can listen to this podcast, read our articles that we put out to help educate and inform everyone on the issues going on across the state and across the nation. You can also get inside the state house there. You can track bills. You can connect with your representative or your senator on the app as well. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We appreciate your support. Again, leave us that five-star review and that rating so we can be seen by more and more people as we look to shape the Palmetto State from a biblical worldview. For Mitch Prosser and Dave Wilson, I am Justin Hall. Enjoy your weekend, and we will talk again on Tuesday.